Hey everybody, and welcome to the Harvest Community Church Podcast. We hope this message today brings you encouragement and inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. If you ever have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out at harvesttn.com. Enjoy the message. Open with me in whatever you are using to read your word out of to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And let me let me say this all all of a lot of this is going to sound um, is going to sound familiar. It's not the first time I've taught uh, taught this. Of course, there's always a little different twist as the Holy Spirit ministers to the uh, individual congregation that I'm sharing it with. But um, I want to share, uh, continue to share in our, our kingdom identity. Now, there are probably a lot of much better titles than that. I'm just not very creative. So if you want to make up one and give it to me, you know, great. We'll work with it. Um, I'm just kind of plain and simple. So kingdom identity. And in in, 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 in what we're talking about is the fact that when we're born again, we are made a new creation and we are given a new identity in the Lord. But sadly, a lot of us don't know that we have either been given it or we know we've been given it, but we've just not taken the time to find out what that identity is. We are a triune being. In the Garden of Eden, the light went out in our soul, death moved in, which means that our relationship with God moved out. And everything that came with that relationship moved out of our spirit. So we've pretty well been operating out of our soul and out of our body, and it does, you don't have to look too far to realize that. Let me, let's pull up, let me um, just look at three quick little slides here um, in, in a, a, dis, a little bit descriptive. Look at the spirit, let's look at the spirit um, slide. In our spirit, when you've been born again, this happens when you've been born again. One of the reasons for the new birth is because this can't happen until you've been born spiritually. But in our spirit, we have communion with God. There's spiritual discernment, spiritual wisdom. We have revelation of Scripture. Uh, it's the home of the Holy Spirit. It's where righteousness exists. It's where holiness exists. All of that in our spirit when we've been born again. In our soul, we find these. Our mind, our soul is our mind. That's, we operate out of our thinking, out of our thoughts, our emotions, um, this is how we feel, and this is where a lot of people live. Um, you find a lot of people using the words, well, I feel, I feel, I feel. And so we live a lot of times out of our emotions, out of our feelings. Now, God gave us emotions, and God gave us feelings. So we're not discounting emotions and feelings, but those emotions and feelings will lead us if we don't learn how to live out of our spirit and allow what's in our spirit to actually influence, transform those feelings and emotions where we're no longer dictated by feelings and emotions, but our feelings and emotions are actually dictated by the Word of God, by our spirit. We're, that's where we make our choices. That's where our conscience is, our personality. All exist within the soul. In our body, we all know what the body has. The body is, our, is where we smell, where we taste, where we touch, um, where we hear, where we see. And how often do we find ourselves living by what we see and allowing what we see? So 
We are trained in this world to live from the outside in. Religion says if you want to change, if you're going to walk with Jesus, if you want to change, you change from the outside in, which means you have to stop seeing what you see, and you got to stop hearing what you hear, and you got to straighten up all of this, and if you straighten up all of this, then you can be right with the Lord. The problem with that is, we were, never, we were never meant to be or created to live outside in. We were created to live inside out. What is in our spirit is supposed to influence this. Does that make sense? This is not supposed to influence our soul. What is in our spirit is supposed to influence this part of us. Have you ever, have you ever uh, been in that place where you kind of find yourself living by what you see? So if you see something that causes fear, then you feel fear. If you see something that causes discouragement, then you find yourself discouraged. If you see something or hear something that causes those things and it affects your emotions, you find yourself being ruled or dictated by those things. The bad part about that is, has anybody here ever heard something or at least thought you heard something that impacted your thoughts and impacted your emotions only to find out later what you thought you heard you didn't hear, but you heard it wrong. And so now you've been messed up for days because you are living by, you're living by that. You're messed up for days because you're living by your, your physical body, your, your senses, and, and all of that is impacting your emotions. Have you ever thought you saw something and it affected your emotions and it affected your thoughts only to find out later what you thought you saw you didn't really see? When more information came in, it changed what you think you saw. Anybody? So we've got to learn how to live out of our spirit if we're ever going to change all of this. And the church, sadly, has very little impact, or has had very little impact on the culture in our country because we live out of our soul like everybody else. And we live from our body like everybody else. And we were never created to do that. If we're going to have an impact, we've got to go the other way. God wants us to walk in his fullness, in the fullness of the new identity that we have. But if you don't know what that new identity is, or if you don't choose to walk in it, it's never going to affect you. Why? Why do we need? I mean, why do we need to get this? Why do we need to really drill down? See, I'm not just, I, I, you know, I've never been one of those just want to come in here and preach a good sermon and walk out of here and somebody high-five me and say, hey, bud, that was awesome. And so I, I leave feeling fulfilled that somebody thought my message was awesome. I, I, don't, I could care less whether you think it's awesome or not, just to be honest with you. What I care is whether you learn it or not, whether it changes your life or not. That, that's really all I care about. I don't need human high-fives to feel good about who I am. I know who I am in Jesus. And I know what he has given me an assignment to do. And my assignment is not to live on this earth getting you to love my messages. My assignment on this earth is to give the word of God out that can get down inside of you that seed, that, that incorruptible seed of the word of God that gets down inside of you and literally changes your life. That's what it's all about for me. Flattery... Flattery means nothing. 
As a matter of fact, there are times when I'm, I'm, I move back from flattery. And, and part of that is because I've been around for a long time. And I know that flattery can be used as a, a manipulative thing. Are you with me? And so I have been flattered by people who pretty well told me that I was the best of the best only when I didn't agree with them in something to find out that I was the worst of the worst. And what I'm telling you is not just me. This is how God wants us to live. He wants us to be so full with Him walking in His fullness that we do not need the accolades or the recognition or the acknowledgement of people or the world. Do we want to people to love us? That's in us. Do we want to love people? That ought to be in us. But do we have to have it until we are free and complete and full in Him? We can't give this world what it needs. And we've got to be able to walk in that. Look, look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Today we're going to talk about... Um, let me, let me, I, was, I, was saying, I was saying before I did, was not saying. Um, why is this important that we get this identity series? Number one is because Jesus paid a high price for us to have this new identity. He paid a high price for us to have this and walk in this new identity. Therefore, we need to get it because of that if there was nothing else. But we also need to get it because our family and our friends and the people in our circles and our community and in our country and this world needs us to get this. This was not just a suggestion of the Lord to say, hey, why don't we try something new? No, he, he gave us a new identity so that we could go out and change the world. So that we can love our husbands, love our wives, love our children. Our children love the parents. Parents love the children. Cousins and uncles and aunts love each other. Brothers and sisters love each other. And you see what I'm saying? That's, that is why. But I'm going to give you a couple other reasons here in a few minutes. Um, and that's what I'm going to kind of land on at the end. We've got to get this message. And you'll never live your life fully free if you don't get this message. Today we're going to talk about part of our identity is that we are righteous in Christ. We are complete. We have been made holy. And why am I, why do I continue to, continue to try to drive this topic home here? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever spent days thinking God was mad at you? Have you ever messed up and felt condemned and guilty? and guilt and shame eat you up. If you've been there, you need what I'm saying. And even if you think you got it because you heard it once, you don't have it if those things continually get in. Have you ever, have you ever experienced something to where somebody in your family may have gotten sick or maybe a tragedy happened and in, you started to think that it was because God was God was punishing you for something that you did one time. You sit in marriage counseling 
And the wife looks at the husband or the husband looks at the wife and says, our kid's sickness is your fault because of what you did that time. If you've ever thought that, you need this. You need to get this. Because God is not punishing you. Jesus took our punishment on the cross. If you've been to church most of your life, you need this message. And this is not one of those Jeff Foxworthy if you're a redneck if, you know. (laughs) But if you've been to church most of your life, you need this because you've got to unlearn most of what you've heard over the years. Because most of what we've heard over the years is a religion that pushes us to works, is a religion that says if you mess up or if you're not doing this right or if you did this, God's mad at you, and you got to hurry and get it right. And, and so religion is continually putting us in the place where we're walking in condemnation. And God doesn't want us there. And so we've got to come free of that. And you can't, you can't be all that God wants you to be. You can't impact other people unless you find yourself in this place of what God says about you rather than what you think about you. And what is most important is what God says about you, not what you think about you. And so your, your, your soul has to be, and we'll talk about this another time, but your soul has to be transformed. A new way of thinking in your soul. And the only place that that can come from is a spirit that has been made alive in Jesus. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that's anyone, and if they're in Christ, the new creation has come. What does that mean? You've been made a new creature. You are a new creation if you have been born again. The old is gone, the new is here. All this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This is going to get good. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. He's saying, you got to get what I did in you before you can go out there and be an ambassador for me and tell everybody else. Because if you don't get it, then you're going to be sharing half-truths with the people out there and, and, and screwing them up. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making this happen through us. Listen, listen, listen to what he said as though God were making this appeal through us, as though God, what's he saying? You're my mouthpiece. The only way I have to get the message out that I have done what it takes to reconcile the world to myself, but they'll never know it if you don't tell them. Does that make sense? But if you don't know that you've been reconciled and you don't know that you've been made righteous and you don't know that you've been made holy, then what kind of mouthpiece are we going to be out there? We're going to be a mouthpiece that's constantly telling people, you just need to get in church. Your problem is you just need to get in church. You just need to quit sinning. If you would just quit sinning, if you would just get in church, if you'd start reading the Bible, 
Bible, if you'd start praying. And there are people every day reading the Bible and praying and going to church and still lost or still empty or still lonely or still never finding their true identity in the Lord. We have to find it before we can go out there and be the mouthpiece making the appeal to everybody else. Be reconciled to God. Verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus died on a cross. He took your sin, my sin, paid paid a, a, a penalty for that took the punishment of sin on the cross, came down and said, now, here's my righteousness. All you got to do is believe. We're made righteous through faith. Are you tracking with me? Now, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to go, I'm going to read several passages uh, because I want to set a foundation If you walk out of here and you say, my pastor said, you're not getting it. If you say, well, Bud said, you're not getting it. If you say, well, this is what Chris said, you're not getting it. It ain't yours yet. Does that make sense? Until you get a revelation of it, it's not yours. But when this becomes yours, it will change your life. And we're so used to going and sitting in church buildings and listening to preachers tell us what's theirs without it ever becoming ours. Did you hear me? So are you ready for it to become yours? I think that's the key. Look in, let's look in uh, Romans. Look at Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. And, and I, these verses, I'm going to read you these verses, but I'm telling you, these are only a very small number of verses in Scripture that, that deal with, with this subject of righteousness. But you've got to know that you can't earn righteousness. You've got to know that you can't work for righteousness. You've got to know that you can't pray enough to earn it. You can't read enough Bible to earn it. You can't go to enough... Uh, to enough services to earn it. You can't be good enough to earn it. You can't do enough good deeds to earn it. You can't do it. And there's a reason the enemy wants to leave you there, and I've got to save that for the end. Look at um, chapter 3. Look at verse 21. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. Look at verse 22. The righteousness, this righteousness is given, not earned, right? This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who got to believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
Now, how many of you, and I remember back in the day when we would remember the Romans road to salvation so we could go out and lead people to the Lord. And all I ever heard was, for all of sin to come short of the glory of God. So birthed out of all of sin to come short of the glory of God is that little saying, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And how many of us have said, I'm just a sinner saved by grace? And it sounds really humble, but it's not true. It's a lie. You are not a sinner saved by grace. You're either a sinner or you're saved by grace, but you're not both. You can't be both. Right? And it, because listen to verse 24, it's sandwiched between him telling us all this righteousness stuff in verse 24, and all are justified freely by his what? Grace. By his grace through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. That, you, are you seeing that it was given by faith? Righteousness was given by faith, not earned. It was given by faith. And I don't mean to drive, I don't mean to just labor on this. But when I, when I, hear, when I hear so many comments and conversations and, and things that, that people are saying that shows that they're still living under this laborious thing of religion that I've got to try to do better, I've got to, and they're trying their best, bypassing what's been done in the Spirit, to make something happen in the soul and the body. And it, you just can't do it. You can't do it. Uh, let's see. I think the next verse, uh, look at Romans chapter 5, verse 17. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned. Who was that one man? Correct, Adam. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned. Death reigned because of Adam, right? Through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace? Abundant provision of grace. Not a trickle of grace. Not a just enough grace, but an abundant provision of grace. And of the gift of of what? And of the gift of righteousness. How much more will they reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Righteousness is a what? It's a gift. How do we get it? By faith. Uh, well, I'm telling you, this, um, let me, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Because I see my time running out, so I'm going to read from here so I don't have to keep turning pages. Because I got I to get us moving. I got to get us moving. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is, listen to this, that is, Jesus has become this for us. That is our what? Our what? Our what? Jesus has become this for us. You can't, why? Because you can't become this for yourself. You can't do this. I can't do this. But he has become this for us. And, and these passages right here, I just, just absolutely tear me up. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 8 through 14. First he said, sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them. 
Though they were offered in accordance with the law, they still were not pleasing. Then he said, here am I. I've come to do your will. Jesus, this is Jesus. He sets aside the first to establish the second. What is the first that he's setting aside to establish the second? Anybody got a thought? The law. The first covenant was the, co the, was the law. He said he's setting aside that covenant, and that's where religion tries to keep you. That's where religion wants you to live. Religion wants you to live under the law, trying to be right with God by continually doing good deeds and trying to keep all the rules that all the churches set up. And he says he set aside that for the second. So what was the second? We got to look at what the second was. He set aside to the first for the second. And by that, we have been made holy. We've been what? We've earned holiness. We've, we, we've, we've, we've earned it. We've done it. No, we've been made. How were we made holy? We were made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus. How many times? Once and for all. You were made holy once and forever will be because he went once and paid the price and forever will be. If, you, if this ever gets into you, you know, I, I hear this, some people's like, I, I've heard that before. If, if you ever get a hold of this, you're going to come in here every Sunday thinking, oh, God, let, let Bud preach on grace. Let, let, let Bud preach about the grace that Jesus paid for us and bought for us. Let Bud preach about all that Jesus did for us and, what, and who he made us and what he gave us and what he's provided for us. Let Bud preach. If you ever get it, that's what's going to happen. Day after day, this is the old covenant, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. The priest would offer the lambs and the animals as sacrifice for sin. And they, have, they would have to do it constantly. And even with all of that, it never took sin away. Covered, but never took sin away. But look, and it was a temporary thing. But look at this. But when this priest, who is this priest? This priest is Jesus. When this priest had offered for all time. For all time. Well, I understand what you're saying, bud. Up until, you know, uh, after I got saved, yes, for all time until I sin again. I think he just said all time. For all time, one sacrifice for sins. There's only one sacrifice for sins. And then what did he do? He sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time, he awaits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. How are we made holy? It's by faith. It's believing in him. It's through the blood of Jesus that we have been made holy. Jesus sat down. What does that mean? Have you ever been working on something, and you worked, and you worked, and you worked, and you finally like, ah, it's done, and you sit down just to take a look at it? That's what Jesus did. He finished it for you. He finished it for me. It is a done deal. And if that ever gets down inside of you, I'm, I'm telling you, it will change 
your life forever. Now, go back to, let's go back to 2 Corinthians, really quick, chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And we're just going to look at verse 17 just for a moment. Now, if I have not established for you through Scripture, you remember what I said, what is the, what is the mirror for, for the Spirit? Word of God? That's where we have to establish our new identity. That's where you have to find who you are. When you look in that mirror, you'll find who you are. It'll tell you who you are. That mirror of the soul does not tell you that. That mirror of the soul will tell you who daddy says you are, who mama says you are, who the coach says you are, who your boss says you are, who everybody else says you are. But that's not who you are when you've been born, when you've been born again. You have been made new. You are a new creation. And you only find out who you are in that. Does that make sense? Now when he says, verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, or, or the new creation has come. Look at this. The old is gone. What is the old that is gone? The old sin nature. See, we think it's just, well, it's just the old sin. No, no, no. It's not just the sin that is gone, though it is the sin nature that produced the sin in your life, that sin nature is gone. What is the new that has come? It's the new nature in Christ. Are, are you tracking? Is this making sense? Is anybody getting this? It's the new nature in Christ. The old sin nature is gone. When you're born again, you don't become a dual nature person. You don't have a sin nature and a, the nature of Christ all at the same time. No. You have a new nature. You have the nature of Jesus in you, the nature of Christ inside of you. Your, your spirit has been made alive in Jesus. And that's who you are. But now here's why you got to grasp the understanding of this. And one of the things is if you don't know that, you're going to get frustrated. If you don't understand what I'm talking about, you're going to get frustrated because... You read that you've been made a new creation. And that's all exciting when you, when you first get saved and you feel like, man, all my sin's gone and the burden is lifted and the pressure has lifted only a couple of days later for some of the old thoughts to start sneaking back. And at that point, you may be saying, I, I, I'm, I, thought, it was, I thought I was a new creation, yet why am, I, why am I doing this? Why am I thinking the things that I used to think? Why am I tempted by some of the things I used to be tempted by? Because your soul has to be changed. Your spirit, you were made alive in your spirit, and you're brand new. You are perfect. You are mature. You've, you are complete in your spirit. You can never be more righteous in your spirit. You can never be more holy in your spirit. You can never be more mature in your spirit. You can never be more complete in your spirit than you are. That was made perfect, but that has to get out of your spirit and out into your soul. So you may have said, but why? I thought I was going to be a new creation, yet why am I? You are a new creation in your spirit. But your soul still has to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We'll deal with that later. Your soul still has to be transformed. The frustration that comes, the, the, the want to give up, 
the discouragement, the depression that we deal with if we don't get this fact. We'll leave a, we'll leave a space for the enemy to constantly get in there and chide us, ride us, constantly whispering in our ear. And until you get this, because I want to tell you something, there's no way that the enemy will ever come at you and you say, shut up, because this is what Bud believes. See what I'm saying? He could care less what you think I believe. And he will kick your butt. You can't go on what I believe. You've got to get it inside of you until it becomes part of who you are so that when he comes riding on you, you say, get off of my back, devil, in the name of Jesus because I have been made righteous through Jesus Christ and I am holy through, yeah, but yeah, 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 the accuser of the brethren, he comes along, he's accusing, 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 and you're sitting back saying, accuse all you want to, I'm righteous. What do you mean you're righteous? Don't you remember what you thought? Don't you remember what you did? You remember just last night, do you know what you thought? I'm righteous in Jesus because he made me righteous. I'm righteous through his blood. I'm holy through his blood. I'm redeemed through his blood. I'm a child of God through his blood. Everything is through his blood. I am full. I am complete. I am mature. I am perfect because of the blood of Jesus. That's where we are. That's where we are. But if we don't get it, if we don't get it, you're going to be vulnerable to condemnation. People will try to condemn you. Preachers will try to condemn you. Family will try to condemn you. You will try to condemn yourself. You will try to walk in condemnation. If you walk in condemnation, and what does that mean? You, say you messed up on something. And you, you sinned. You know you sinned. Condemnation keeps you in it. Condemnation keeps you thinking about it. Condemnation keeps your emotions stirred up about it. Condemnation keeps you a slave to it. But when you come to Jesus, he sets you free from that. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. When you were born again, death moved out of your spirit, life moved into your spirit. And now there is no condemnation for you. But if you don't know that, How many of you know you can't, that, that condemnation is the old identity? It'll keep you discouraged. It'll keep you down. It'll keep you at odds with God. He loves me, he doesn't love me. He's mad at me, he's not mad at me. And then basing that on what? Basing that on how good we did. There is no condemnation for the child of God. You got to know that, but let me, I'm going to mention another one to you. Because we're talking about identity, right? Galatians 5.13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. See, if you just accept, and, and, and let me say something about when I say the, gra the grace message, and I, and I really hate to call it the grace message because it's, it's just the gospel. It's really not 
the grace of it. It's the gospel. I hate how we divide people into camps. That's the grace camp, and that's the, the faith camp. And what are you talking about? Grace and faith are part of all of our camps. We're, we're in trouble, right? And so then people tag on hyper-grace, those hyper-grace people. We become ambassadors. If, if a father left a will for his children, and he left you in charge of communicating that will, and in that will, he lavished millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. To his, he left it to his children. And then you step back and you say, man, I can't, I can't give them all this because it, it could mess them up. They might stray because of it. No, no, no. See, you don't get to decide that. All you get to do is be the mouthpiece to say, here's what the will of the Father is, and here's what he left you. You don't get to decide, are you tracking with me? I remember many years ago sitting down with a, with a preacher and him saying, bud, this yo-yo stuff, talking about the yo-yo stuff that I used to preach back in the day, you're saved today, and then you drank a beer, and then you're going to hell. And then you saved, saved, then you get repent, you repent, and you get forgiveness, and you cry a little bit, and then you... And then you, you, you uh, say something, you know, you, you say a, uh, a cuss word, four-letter word. And so now you, you're going to hell until you repent again. And because that's what I was taught, so that's what I preached in the beginning before I actually read the Word of God. Because when you start reading the Word, it changes you. And so you start to see what I've been reading to you. And it changes everything. But if you don't know this is your identity and you hear a message that says that your sins, past, present, future, are forgiven, you're in the grace of God. He will always, from the moment you're born again, always see you as righteous. That will never change. He will always see you as holy. That will never change. He will always see you through the blood of Jesus. That will never change. You will always be redeemed. That will never change. Then... There are those who will receive that into their soul. You tracking with me? They will receive that into their soul and say, oh, that means I can go to heaven and still do anything I want to do. And if we don't understand this righteousness as identity, and we only receive it in our soul, it'll mess us up. You've got to get it in your spirit. He didn't save us so that he didn't set us free so we would just go out and, and do just do anything we want to do and live it up and sin all the time. He set us free so we wouldn't have to. He set us free to give us power over it so we wouldn't have to do that. He set us free so that we can now walk in our identity. And your identity is not that. But if you walk around the sin conscious all the time, that's all you think about, that's all you're going to do. And i got one more verse to read. Just one more. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse, verse 15. 
And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Who, who are we supposed to be living for? Supposed to be living for him, aren't we? If you get this message, and I'm praying this morning that this is getting in, that you are accepting and receiving your new identity, you won't doubt God's love for you ever again. All right, the enemy may try to slip in with doubt, but you're going to know what to do with it. You're not going to be blaming other people for tragedies that happen, saying, well, it's payback from God. No, Jesus took the punishment on the cross. Will you receive this message? Not mine. The message of Scripture. That's the message. Do you want to live differently? Are you willing to let religion go? Are you willing to let performance go? Are you willing to let all of that go to find Jesus? Here's what I've found out. When you truly get it, it makes you want to live right. When you really get it, it makes you want to live right. When you really get it, something inside just compels you into the love of God. When you really get it, it makes you want to treat your wife right or your husband right or your children right or your parents right. When it really gets down inside and you realize that I can no longer just live out of my soul, but I want what God did in my spirit to affect, to infect, to impact, to change my soul, to change my way of thinking. Are you ready to give up living by sight only? Are you willing to give up living by what you hear? Are you willing to give all that up for saying, I'm going to look into the mirror of the Word of God and whatever that says, and I, I hate that I even have to qualify that, but let me say this. Whatever that says in the New Covenant, interpreted correctly, does this make sense? Because you can take a verse out of context and prove anything. But if you take that in context and, and read it in context and, and interpret it, Correctly, it'll change your life. It's the living word of God. How many of you are ready to walk in righteousness, in your righteousness? How many of you are ready to get up in the morning and look in the mirror instead of saying, oh my goodness, you sinner, looking in there and saying, you're righteousness. You are righteous in Jesus. You are holy in Jesus. How many of you think it would change the way you look at things? Stand up with me just for a minute. How many of you think that would change? If you get up and look at yourself in the mirror and you say, you're a sinner, you're rotten, you'll never amount to anything, you're going to walk out that day and you're going, to be, you're going to sin and you're going to be rotten and you're not going to amount to anything. But if you look in that mirror, no matter what is going on in your life and your circumstances right now, you're believing the truth and you look into that mirror and you say, I am righteous because Jesus made me that way. I am holy 
because Jesus made me that way. I am completely, fully right before God. And then you walk out of the, out of the house. What are you apt to do? You're apt to walk out of there, walking out that righteousness, walking out that holiness, out through your life. That is, it, this will set you free. It'll change the way you live. It'll change the way you talk. It'll change the way you think. You don't change the way you live, talk, think, so that you can be right with God. No, you get right with him. You let what's in your spirit get out through your soul and you're changed from the inside out. Father, we praise you today. I pray that you get this Holy Spirit. Get this down inside of us. and Change us in such a way that we can change the culture that right now needs change so desperately. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Let's sing. Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed listening, be sure to hit the subscribe button and rate and review the podcast. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you again next week.